Hey everyone, welcome to Women's Work, Rising, Leading, and Thriving, produced by the Institute for Women, Wellness, and Work at Ursuline College. I'm Gina Messina, and this is a podcast that empowers women to recognize ourselves as the leaders we've been waiting for. Today, I'm delighted to be talking with Donna Dabbs, Executive Director of the Greater Cleveland Urban Film Foundation. Donna, I am so delighted that you've been willing to join me to have this conversation about your incredible leadership journey and the wonderful things that you are doing as executive director of the Greater Cleveland Urban Film Foundation. So welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I wonder if we could start off, if you'd be willing to share with me a little bit about your leadership journey. Like, Where did you start out? Where has your journey taken you? How did you end up becoming the executive director of the Urban Film Foundation? Well, it's an interesting uh, journey, I guess. But I've always, you know, grew up in a community in Cleveland, Glenville, where everybody knew everybody on the street at the time. So it was very rich. Then, you know, went off to college. My, my mom prepared us for college, which I really didn't want to go. I wanted to be really an artist, but that wasn't encouraged in the community. So I went off to college and always had this desire to give back to the community, even though I didn't know like what that meant and how that would happen. So after college, I realized I had to get a job. So you you can't help anybody if you don't have any resources your own self. So after 25 years of corporate America leading initiative and, you know, my thing has always been improving operations and changes and et cetera. But after about 30 years of that, I realized I wanted to get back to my community. And I wandered in and we were doing networking events and I was doing really active in the community, volunteering and working with different social agencies. But I went to a film festival, the Cleveland International Film Festival, which I loved. And I felt like I didn't have to see enough films of, with people of color, even people of color at the event. It was an amazing event. And I'm like, oh, hmm, where are the, the people of color at? And I was challenged. It's like you want to see people of color get your own. And I, because I grew up in a time where we had our own and there were lots of business in the community, that's really what sparked that journey. So I've wandered through a lot of leadership opportunities. I've had a lot of initiatives where I would just gather people and make change. So this just became a formal way to do that. That's really amazing that you saw an issue and you recognized like this needs to change and I'm the person to do it. I think yeah. so many of us see things out there and we want there to be changed, but we don't know how to get involved. And you really recognize your strengths and your abilities and know that your voice is important, that you have the ability to do this, which I think is amazing and something that so many of us need to work on, on recognizing our strengths and our abilities. And the interesting thing, Gina, I, when you make me think about, I had a friend of mine, and this was when I was in one of my corporate jobs. And she, I guess, had watched me for a bit and she made a joke with somebody is like, be careful if you see something needs changing because Donna will make a project out of it. And I'm like, you're right. That's what. So then I really embraced it after that. I was like, OK, a new project. <laughs> and it like became a part of your identity. You're like, this is who I am. I am the change yes. maker. Yes. That is so great. I, I am curious. I know very little about film festivals. I mean, I've attended film festivals, mm -hmm. 
things like that. But you have this whole inner networking that you you designed, you, you curate this yourself and make decisions about the films that you're going to share. And I wonder like, what is that process like for you? How do you connect with filmmakers? How do you choose films and what are your goals? Nice. Well, you know, we learned how to run a film festival over the years. Um, you know, this is our 10th year. So we basically followed, there were other um, Black film festivals around the country that we could model. So that's really how we started. Okay, what do you do? You know, did a little research, found out how to deliver an effective process. So the film selection team has grown from three people to which, you know, I was on it now. But this past year, we had about 65 minutes led by another of our talented volunteers, Eric Seiler, who's been a filmmaker himself. So the process has evolved, but we basically look for films that will highlight a variety of stories for African-American or uh, people from the African diaspora, because, you know, the media only presents really one version of a story or maybe two, right? You've got entertainment and then you've got tragic or, you know, poverty and slavery. And so we, you know, there's comedy and joy and, you know, community stories. So part of the thing I wanted to see was more stories of life, you know, of the community that I saw growing up where people danced and sang on the corners. And for the most part, everyday life was joyous or rich, full of, you know, different characters where people looked out for each other. So that was, we, we really wanted to present more positive images. And, you know, the, my intent was broad because it was more filling a gap in that community for inspiration and opportunities since I felt like, not that I missed mine, but, you know, my path was a little different because I didn't have an encouragement of other type of careers. So, you know, even when we started the festival, people would leave there like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to make a movie. So I didn't know making a movie was an option, you know, a career option. When I grew up, um, we had a few trailblazers, but, you know, if we're not exposing our community to different sort of lifestyles, attributes. Um, you won't know that there's something else to do. Sort of like, you know, the world has been opened with the internet for travel because you see all these amazing places you want to go. You know, so your world becomes much bigger than your own little street with its own little problems or in your own little house and that kind of thing. So I hope that, you know, there's a there's a lot wrapped up in this whole film festival for, for me. I find your work to be so inspiring. And you really have been, or you you are, you're a trailblazer in so many ways. And I want to ask you, what specific challenges have you faced because of gender and intersectional issues? And how have you addressed those? Yeah, I try not to think about them, but when you are faced with it, then you have to kind of dissect a little bit. You realize, "Ah, if I was a man... I wouldn't be having some of these problems, right? And I remember being on a panel of women talking about leadership and entrepreneurship and et cetera. And I was asked that question, like what challenges? And I think the biggest challenge came when I wanted to assert leadership or actually be a leader in the presence of like a man that felt like they held more power. So that was one thing I feel like women need to benefit from more is learning how to negotiate your power instead of, in my case, just having a bad attitude. Well, what they see is it's not necessarily a bad attitude, but that's how it becomes um, bottled. And then you're in a you're in a battle from that point on, which what I've learned, you will lose. 
So, <laughs> well, what do you mean by that when you say um, it becomes a bad attitude? Well, that's how they deem it. Like you are, you know, because you're not in a, you're not in agreement. So now all of a sudden you're not a team player. And because it's almost like nobody's listening to you, it becomes a challenge and you need help with that. So I will say in, in learning to be a woman leader, those are the things that you need to make sure you're strong in or you have some assistance with is learning to negotiate that power or use it in a way that you're not adversarial. Because that to me is what happens in these, um, you know, when you don't agree with people. And I, I firmly believe it's okay to disagree. You need to have creative tension in some aspects because out of that becomes a better process or a better solution. But when people aren't listening to you, that becomes a challenge. Yeah. And that's a big difference, right? Between having a dialogue around creativity and and what the right choice is to make and having creative disagreements versus I have more power than you, so I'm not going to listen to you. And I, I love that you talk about negotiating power and really having a way to engage those conversations and redirect a person and say, well, wait a second, you really need to hear me right now. Right. And I wonder how you go about doing that. The interesting thing is I'm just learning that at this stage <laughs> because as you say, in a leadership role or a creative change maker role, I've been able to get through the things that I wanted to do. And I think for me, a lot of why I've worked the way I have is because I haven't wanted to have that kind of confrontation, so to speak. But I think it's unavoidable. And, you know, the kind of the stronger you are, even when you're younger, the sooner that it will be um, in your place. So for me, I'm learning more of that now. So I can't offer (laughs) necessarily any tips, but more to be. So my tip to people coming along is understand it's the thing that you need to put in your wheelhouse and get get stronger at it so you can have more success sooner or have. And I think mentorship is an important part of that because I think back in one of my positions in corporate America where I was up for a promotion and I was in a, a bit of a tug of war with the existing manager because the exiting manager who was a man, he didn't want to give me the job for one. And then when they sort of made him almost, then he didn't want to give me the salary. So what helped in that helped negotiate some power was somebody else who had my back that was in power. So, but the interesting thing is I knew that because I could see the dynamics of their relationship. And so that was the person I said, well, he's scared of him. So I'm going to go get him to help me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really about, we've talked in the past about leveraging our connections and knowing who our networks are. Who are the people that we can count on for support and that we yeah. also support, right? And how they can help us in those situations. And it's interesting. I was literally just having this conversation about the negotiating that power and being prepared to be in a room um, where, as women, our ideas are often discounted or were talked over, ignored. Yeah. And she said the women in the room have each other's back. And when they see that someone is cut off, somebody will step in and say, oh, well, I appreciate what you're saying, but that, you know, let so-and-so finish their thoughts. I think this is really important. And I think as women learning 
that that's a critical role for us is so, uh, so, so important in a great way to be supporting positive change in the dynamic in leadership. You're right. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, that's what I would tell people even in team meetings. If, if one person speaks up and has my back, that changes the whole dynamic because it's typically because people are scared, you know, to speak up. But it's very important that I think women understand that because there's power in that. So it doesn't have to be, you know, what I'm getting from this conversation, it doesn't have to be individual power. It can be collective power. Absolutely. I love that statement of collective power. And I know that we constantly talk about the challenges that exist for us as women having intersectional identities and really negotiating that power. But I also think A lot of our strengths are grounded in our lived experiences and identities, right? Yes. So what do you think those strengths are for you? Um, I just did, I think it was a Gallup leadership thing, which, you know, identified your five top strengths, which was really interesting to me. First one was strategic, which made sense to me because, and it helped me understand even in that whole power struggle is that I usually arrive at a solution or a strategy before most people do. So I have to kind of wait and be patient more so for them to catch up. The other part is the, that was interesting, was something called woo. It was out of the top five, it probably was number three. And that's where I think the whole collective experience of my community and my race and my gender come into place because that's sort of the soft side of liking people and enjoying and being around people that helps me work with people. Someone told me a long time ago that I have a high likability factor. And I think that's that whoa. And um, it's, it cracks me up because sometimes, you know, you, you know, the good of you and the bad of you. And it's like, mm, on a given day, why would somebody like me? But I learned, <laughs> I learned to honor that and use that in working with people in my relationship with people. So I would say, you know, in getting to know yourself and, and what has made you be who you are in my community, um, my small community in Glenville, that 96 off of St. Clair Street, where the lady on the corner had a after hours spot, uh, the lady two houses down had decorated her entire driveway, painted every brick, had every whatnot in her house. I mean, all these you know, the aunts and the uncles of the street, so to speak, all these people have influenced my lens of what I see and who I am. And I think those, you know, we just honor that as we move forward, whatever we create, you understand that you're taking that person along with you and just use it and enjoy it. That is, that is really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. So let me ask you, If you could give one piece of advice to other women, um, what would it be and why? I would say probably develop your confidence because a lot of things come out of that. You know, I talked about communication and courage and things I needed for myself. But all that, I think, is wrapped up in confidence. So if you learn how to be confident and confident is knowing who you are and your strengths and all those things. And then the other parts just become the voice and the method for that confidence to be shared with the world. And because you need courage to do things that you don't know about, that you don't understand, to meet people that you know nothing about. So I would say the confidence first is the biggest thing 
to put in your your bucket because that will help you speak up and that will help you be up. And from that can come all kinds of possibilities. Donna, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. Um, I so appreciate your insight and your wisdom. Let me say you are very likable. Um, <laughs> I totally appreciate your friendship and your colleagueship and your mentorship. So thank you again. I really appreciate this conversation. And I look forward to seeing what you're doing at the Urban Film Foundation. Yes. Thanks for listening in today. And to learn more about our guests, visit our website at womenwellnesswork.ursuline.edu. Don't forget to subscribe to Women's Work on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.